0: So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com, we've done your homework.
1: Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. I drive, center field, hit the wall! This is magnificent. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. What
0: in the bizarro pitching world happened on Tuesday? Welcome into Fantasy Baseball today. Frank Stanfield joined by Scott White. Chris is off playing Call of Duty somewhere. You know, Scott, if I told you... I had a rotation of Luis Castillo, Steven Strasburg, Blake Snell, and Max Freed entering the season. You probably would have said that's pretty good, right? Yeah, sounds pretty good. Well, what are the odds, <laughs> all four of them? Flounder? In the same day, I mean, Snell against the Pirates, man. What is going on? This is uh, There's a lot to talk about. Jesus Lazardo another one that we can throw in there. Not that he's an ace or anything, but... We did have higher expectations at least against the Arizona Diamondbacks. I was going to do some fill in the blank for today's podcast, but once all this started just flipping upside down, the world just went crazy in terms of pitching. I was like, "No, let's let's fire up Oriometer and see where we're at and we'll recalibrate and, and this thing and
1: we'll talk." And about the world's it. upside down when you combine it with what happened yesterday, right? Yesterday I completed uh, exactly. yesterday I tweeted out hypothesis, all pitching is good. Evidence tonight. And today, I had to switch that to new hypothesis, all pitchers are bad, evidence tonight. And, you know, last night, or uh, I, I should say what, uh, Monday night, it was, it was guys like Alex Cobb and Huascar Inouye and Adbert Alzali. And today, it's, it's, you know, it's the studs you were just referring to and more. They weren't the only bad ones. Pablo Lopez threw a stinker.
0: It was, uh, wow. Yeah, it was wild. We're, we're going to get to all of it today. We got the worryometer a little bit later on. Zach Allen made his debut. Bieber versus Lito was awesome. Uh, Wilson Ramos and Adam Duvall are also awesome. But let's fire things up with... Uh, take it away, Susan. Oh my good, goodness gracious! All right, so we got to start with, obviously, Strasburg, Scott, because, um, look, wasn't a great game, but there's more under the hood that uh, is pretty worrisome here in this start. At the Cardinals, four innings pitched, eight hits, eight runs, seven of those earned, five walks, three strikeouts, only three whiffs for Strasburg, velocity down across the board. Every one of his pitches, the velocity was down, including his fastball, which was down two miles per hour in this start compared to his first start of the season, where he was actually pretty good. He averaged 90.6 miles per hour on his fastball Tuesday night, and... We know he was dealing with some stuff in the spring uh, in spring training, dealing with the calf. But man, it's—I don't really see how a calf injury would affect your velocity, at least not this much. So, what are your thoughts about Strasburg here, Scott? And we'll just get the worryometer started early. How worried are you about him at this point?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, based on what we know right now, uh, maybe like a like a six. I'm pretty worried. I'm pretty worried. Most of these bad starts that we've referred to, I don't. You know, I, I don't make a m- much of it, uh, but Strasburg is the one I definitely do. You mentioned the drop in velocity. You know, we were, we were already accepting, okay, he may only be a guy who throws 92 now instead of 94, 95 on average. But if it's 90, closer to 90, we saw it tonight that may not go so well. Uh, but he seemed like he may have been favoring his neck or his shoulder. Uh, he... Um, wasn't finishing his pitches. It didn't look like, like it, it looked like there may have been an, another health issue at play in this one. And, it, you know, in addition to just the drop in velocity, it might explain the drop in velocity. And of course, Strasburg is no stranger to health issues. So we'll, we'll have to see what more comes out, but um concerning, definitely concerning.
0: Who would you rather have Scott, Zach Gallen or Strasburg straight up?
1: Again, based on what I know right now, I got to say Gallen. Yeah. And you know what? I'd, I'd probably move Strasburg behind Gallen just based on performance anyway. Gallon looked really strong coming back from that that uh, hairline fracture on his forearm.
0: He, he looked sure really did. good.
1: He was one pitcher who performed well today.
0: Yeah, he only went four innings, but look, in his debut, eight strikeouts, only one earned run, 12 whiffs on 82 pitches for Zach Gallen. Going up against the Oakland A's, velocity looked perfectly fine. He did... Used his fastball a little bit more, but it was his first start of the season, and he was throwing curveballs, which is the pitch that was giving him some trouble with that forearm once he suffered the injury. So I'm with you. I'm I'm willing to move Strasburg behind Zach Gallen. and gonna do a big rankings update um, tomorrow. We'll talk about rankings a little bit more the rest of the week, but yeah, I have a feeling Strasburg is gonna be dropping quite a bit, Scott. What do you think? Oh my goodness gracious! Standout from Tuesday.
1: Well, you brought up Strasburg. I'm gonna bring up. I'm going to bring up Max Freed. It's a couple of bad starts in a row for Freed. Today's start against the Marlins, seven earned runs in four innings, gave up nine hits, gave up two home runs. That's 12 earned runs over six innings in his past two starts for Max Freed. And um, I, I, this was his worst start of his career today. It was... Uh, and it was against it was the bad.
0: Marlins, Scott, which is
1: Yeah, crazy. so I'm not... I, I'm struggling to to see what... If anything is wrong with Max Fried, velocity looks fine. We've seen the slider velocity fluctuate quite a bit. It was actually down some, but, you know, fastball is mainly what you look at for velocity. Sometimes a slower breaking ball is better. I'm not sure that it really... Like, the stuff looks fine. He's getting whiffs. I I don't really think that's the issue. I don't know if it's... The Marlins are so familiar with Max Fried at this point that they maybe have his number, or... Maybe there's a possibility he's tipping pitches, something like that, or maybe you know he's just he's just missing his spots early in the season. It it's uh, it's something that happens. It's something that is usually corrected pretty quickly for pitchers of his caliber. And uh, I'm not inclined to freak out over it. I could understand if you want to sit free until he shows signs of turning it around. I don't think I don't think it's a must necessarily, but I could understand if you want to do that after two pretty bad starts but I think he's going to be okay. I mean, I do think he was kind of overrated coming into the season. We talked about that, but not so much because I thought he was going to get trounced. It was just because I think maybe his upside was being overstated.
0: Yeah. Max freed. What I noticed, I didn't see anything in the velocity, you know, swinging strikes, whatever 11 whiffs on 86 pitches. It was fine, but the home runs he allowed. He's allowed three home runs over his last two starts last year in total in 11 regular season starts he Allowed just two home runs, so there was always going to be regression there. It's you know, you're not just going to allow two home runs over 11 starts, especially in today's day and age of baseball. But uh, yeah, at least early in the season, he is giving up more, uh, more home runs. I saw the, the exit velocity on his specifically curveball and I think it was changeup, where those two pitches in general just got destroyed for uh, for Max Freed on Tuesday. So, Scott, if you can. If you can turn around any of these pitchers that are off to really good starts, like Trevor Rogers, Nathan Avaldi, in a classic you know sell high situation, trying to buy low on Max Freed, would you pull the trigger on either of those?
1: As a buy low with Freed, you're saying?
0: Yeah, like would you? Yeah. If someone sent you Freed for your Trevor Rogers or Nathan Avaldi, would you take it?
1: Avaldi, sure. I really like the upside of Rogers. I, I still think I'd have to do it. But that that wouldn't be the first offer I'd made to the guy who had freed. It wouldn't be. It wouldn't be Trevor Rogers. It would be somebody who I thought didn't have quite that much upside. But if push came to shove, yeah, I'd still have to rank free to have Rogers at this point.
0: All right, fair enough. Did you have a worryometer on Max Freed, Scott?
1: Mm, let's say. 3.5
0: 3.5 and for those out yeah. there uh we're cali- we're still calibrating the worryometer. but 10 is <laughs> okay I'm freaking out you know talk me off the ledge here one is no nah, there's nothing to be worried about him he's perfectly fine no issues here so a 3.5 for Max Fried and a 6 for Strasburg so he is he's getting up there the Champions League will be down to four teams by the end of this week following the second leg of the quarterfinal stage, if you haven't already, make the KGalazzo podcast your audio outlet for complete UCL coverage before and after the biggest matches, including Dortmund versus Manchester City and Liverpool versus Real Madrid. Follow Galazzo for premier picks and immediate recaps of all the action. Download anywhere you find this podcast. Some news oh, and notes. You know,
1: Frank, Frank. What do you got? The commenters alerted me to something here. What do we got? What do we got? Uh it was reported in the last 20 minutes or so that Max Freed is having an MRI on his hamstring. Apparently felt something running down the line. Uh, so, you know, obviously not, you'd rather be a hamstring than an arm, but it sounds like it's possible he could wind up in the IL, on the IL after all this. Ooh, well,
0: that's not great. Um, but thanks for looking out YouTube chat. So anytime anything uh, happens, we do appreciate the help there, but all right. Yeah. Max freed going for an MRI on his hamstring. Definitely could be what's plagued him at least over the last couple of starts. Was he dealing with anything in the spring? I don't think so. Right? Not that I remember. I don't, I don't think so either. So, yeah. all right, maybe hold off on some of those trade offers until we find out what's going on with Max freed. Some other news and notes from Tuesday saw that Sonny Gray will make his season debut either Friday or Saturday this week. And that comes against Cleveland. So a nice matchup there to start for Sonny Gray. Don't give up on Jordan Romano just yet. Julian Merriweather is experiencing left hip irritation per Blue Jays manager, Charlie Montoya. And Merriweather does not really have the cleanest bill of health, Scott. He's dealt with a lot of injury concerns in the past, and he almost didn't make the team because of all the injuries he suffered before. So,
1: hold on to your Jordan Romano. I know, and it looked like it, it looked like there was cl- even even a clear indication that he was the closer, because again, Romano came in for the eighth. He ran into trouble. Meriwether had to bail him out for the last out of the eighth through just two pitches to finish out the inning. I thought he was going to come in in the ninth and get the save, uh, but an insurance run was added, and apparently that Meriwether wasn't feeling quite right. So yeah, like you said, can't drop Romano just yet.
0: Do not do it. Josh Donaldson will be activated off the injured list on Wednesday. He missed the past two weeks with a hamstring injury. At least it wasn't his calves. Teoscar Hernandez tested positive for COVID-19 on Tuesday and will remain quarantined for at least the next 10 days. So get well soon. Teoscar Hernandez, Josh Palacios started in left field on Tuesday and he's, actually been all right the past couple of games, but this is only a name in the deepest of leagues. We're talking AL only. Josh Palacios. Blue Jays GM Ross Atkins said that Nate Pearson is pain-free after dealing with a groin injury. Scott, Pearson is 52% rostered. What should that number be? I think it maybe should go up to
1: like 60, uh, just because I know there are pitchers rostered in a, up that same range that I feel like I'd probably pick up before Pearson. But obviously, Pearson has a ton of upside. And uh, wouldn't surprise me at all if, you know, a starter two into his return, he becomes must-add.
0: Kyle Hendricks was scratched on Tuesday out of an abundance of caution because he wasn't feeling well. He has tested negative for COVID uh, since he was scratched. Alec Mills started in his place. James Paxton is indeed headed for season-ending elbow surgery. We are just a few... What's the name here, Scott? Nick Margavichus. That's, that's how we're pronouncing it, right? Nick Margaviches. Yeah. Well, I
1: wasn't expecting you to actually say the <laughs> name tonight. Yes, that is the Mariners pitcher who took James Paxton's spot and used to pitch for the Padres. His name is Nick Margaviches.
0: Okay, so a few blowups from him or Justin Dunn, and I'm telling you, Scott, I think Logan Gilbert is on the way. Maybe late April, early May. Who would you rather stash right now between Gilbert or Nate Pearson?
1: Uh, Pearson. Okay. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a longer way for Gilbert. But I I, uh, I got some I got some more news for you, Frank, here. So we're we're reaching the stage in the night where the beat reporters are actually getting to talk to the players. So okay. I got a tweet here from Mark Zuckerman of massinsports.com. Not Mark Zuckerberg, but Mark Zuckerman. He says Strasburg attributed his diminished velocity to needing to dial it back some to try to locate better. Says he wasn't synced up the way he normally is. Led to poor command and falling off the mound toward the first base line, so you know it sounds like he was had some mechanical stuff going on, which is better than an injury. Yeah, I, I feel a little better. I feel a little better about him now, but I'd I'd rather sit him until I saw him get back on track.
0: Christian Yelich was out of the lineup for the second straight game as he's dealing with that back injury. Per manager Tony La Russa, Andrew Vaughn will start on Wednesday and Thursday against Cleveland and should play quite a bit on the upcoming road trips to Boston and Cleveland. So, Scott, is this a reason to hold on to our Andrew Vaughn shares? Because I tweeted out asking people, who do you want to hear about Worryometer? And we got quite a few Andrew Vaughn responses.
1: Well, I think you should try to hold on to Vaughn anyway. Uh, I I finally got a tweet today, you know, should I drop Vaughn for this guy? That I, I, I For the first time, I said yes to it. And it was Jared Kelnick, who I'm feeling pretty confident will be up next week. But I don't think that's an easy call. I don't think I, I definitely could see how that backfires on you if, if Kelnick doesn't get called up and and Vaughn, you know, suddenly goes crazy. You're gonna be feel bad about doing it. But you know, I I do think if it came to that decision, that's what I'd do. I, I think I was drafting Kelnick ahead of Vaughn towards the end of draft season, anyway.
0: Kelnick is 74% rostered on CBS, so he still might be out there in some of your shallower fantasy leagues. Tyler Naquin was on the bench for a second straight game Tuesday against righty Kevin Gaussman, so I'm sorry, Scott. Michael Conforto got hit by a pitch in his right wrist in game one of the doubleheader. X-rays came back negative. Lorenzo Cain left Tuesday night's game with left quad discomfort. It was his right quad that was hurt during spring training. Will Myers left Tuesday with an apparent injury. I have not seen anything on what Will Myers' injury is. And Justin Upton was out of the lineup due to back stiffness. John Jay was starting in left field with Jared Walsh and right. Jared Walsh, by the way, Scott, off to a pretty damn good start. And he was one of these guys that he tore it up in September. We didn't really know what to make of it because he struck out a lot in the past. And so far, so good for Jared Walsh. So I think if you got him, we're solidly holding on to him, at least, you know, yeah. while, while he's playing.
1: Yeah, and it, it didn't get as much attention as Vaughn sitting out the first game, but Walsh sat out the first two games. And then since then, he has started all but one. Now, the only one he sat out was against a lefty, so don't know that he's entirely out of the woods as far as playing time goes, but 35 plate appearances, only six strikeouts. That is similar to the strikeout rate, or... or yeah certainly a much better strikeout rate than he showed in the minors more like what he showed when he was crushing it in September so that's a very good sign for Jared Walsh
0: would you rather have Walsh or Vaughn
1: I think I have to say Walsh at this point
0: I think so too so yeah if anyone is in that Um, dilemma
1: go with Walsh right
0: before we get to some other Worryometer pitchers from Tuesday I do want to talk about some waiver wire hitters we got to talk about the hitters Scott we can't always talk about the pitchers Adam Duvall, man, you know, you and I talking beforehand. We both dropped him in a 15-team league this week. And, of course, this happens. The revenge game against the Atlanta Braves. Adam Duvall goes four for five with two homers, seven RBI, four runs scored, and now has three homers over his last two games. He is only 10% rostered. This is Adam Duvall we're talking about. And you know what's just ironic, Scott, last year? Remember, you hit two, three home run games. One of those mm-hmm. came as an Atlanta Brave against the Miami Marlins. And now he, he just had two yeah. home runs in a game as a Marlin against the Atlanta Braves. Well, so, yeah. It's and Duval
1: give, the, the Duval giveth, the Duval taketh away. Cause not only is there that connection, but I had, uh, I picked up Duval in, I think, Tout Wars among other leagues before he had that three homer, nine RBI game against the Marlins last year where the Braves scored 29 runs. Um, And so that was thrilling. I had him in, I think, TGFBI, one of my 15-team leagues, last week. Dropped him for this week. Missed out on the two homer, seven RBI game. Which kind of encapsulates the whole Adam Duvall experience. Like, you know he's going to hit his share of home runs. It's not going to do much of anything else. And it's going to be sporadic, the production. So it's it's really uh, testing your patience to see how willing you are to stick with him through the through the dry spells, and um, it's going to be hard to do. It certainly in anything shallower than fifteen teams.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, you know, what league format are we actually adding Adam Duvall in? He's widely mm-hmm. available, but I would say anything deeper than twelve teams with five outfielders. Sure, I think you can look at Adam Duvall for for power and. Probably not much else. That's about right. All Jed Lowry. Keep it rolling, man. <laughs> Turn back the clocks here. Jed Lowry went two for four on Tuesday with a three-run home run, his second home run of the season. 19% rostered. He plays six games next week, three of which are in Baltimore. Scott, how imperative is it that you get Jed Lowry on your team? I
1: don't think it's imperative. I think he'll be... I think the production will wind up pretty com- comparable to if Lo- if Lowry stays healthy, and that's a big if. But if he does, I think it'll be pretty comparable to Jorge Polanco. I know Polanco's off to a good to a bad start, but you know, still low strikeout rate, high line drive rate. You expect him to to hit for average with some amount of pop, and I think we're going to see similar from from Lowry if he's healthy. I like that you know he's walked six times versus eight strikeouts. He has five total extra base hits. These these are good signs that he can be a relevant fantasy contributor, but I don't think he's going to be high end.
0: Would you make that swap if if you had the decision, Scott? Polanco
1: for Lowry? I wouldn't. No. I wouldn't, not given not given Lowry's injury history.
0: And I, I will just add, you know, if you're in a deeper league and you lost Cattell Marte, obviously Jed Lowry's not going to be Cattell Marte, but Can he give you some batting average, a little bit of pop while Catel Marte's out? Sure. I think that can be a fine replacement there. Wilson Ramos had a double dong on Tuesday and now has six home runs entering Tuesday night. He had an 82% hard contact rate, according to StatCast, and the highest average exit velocity in baseball. Scott, I mean, Jed Lowry, Wilson (laughs) Ramos. Like, what is going on? This is... (laughs) Would you drop... We got a lot of questions tonight. Would you drop any of Buster Posey, Omar Narvaez, Sean Murphy, or Mitch Garver for Wilson Ramos?
1: Uh, okay, so some of those names I think I would. Posey, yes, I'm fine with that. Narvaez. Who is also off, off to
0: a really good start.
1: He is, but I, I still think I would. Sean Murphy, I think that's pretty easy. Garver, I might hesitate. It would, but, you know... The kind of leagues where Wilson Ramos is available are probably the shallowest of leagues. One-catcher leagues. Right, one-catcher leagues, shallow leagues, the sort where if you drop Garver, you're probably going to get another shot at him later. Yeah, I think I would drop any of them for Ramos. I don't... (laughs) Average exit velocity (laughs) (laughs) 101.2. He's crushing it, man! Giancarlo Stanton, his ex-slug is 723. His his hard hit rate is 80. I think you just went over that. 82.4% yeah. hard hit rate. Like, you know, what normally leads the league? Like 50 or less than that? Yeah, um,
0: it's, I would say it's probably somewhere around there. It's
1: Yeah. It's a great start. Obviously unsustainable, but at catcher, you know, everything's, everything you can, you, you know, you don't have to be that tied to a catcher unless it's, Obviously, somebody somebody like JT Real Muto. Um, So, yeah, write it out with Ramos for now.
0: I like it. Yes, one catcher league.
1: He has a track record of being good. Not this, but, you know, pretty good offensive contributor.
0: We will drop in one catcher leagues. Posey, Narvaez, Murphy, Sean Murphy, and Mitch Garver for Wilson Ramos. Scott, two veteran corner infielders. Eduardo Escobar went two for four on Tuesday. He has multiple hits in four of his last five games. 68% rostered, so might be out there in some points leagues. Uh, Joey Votto, back-to-back days with a home run. He is 52% rostered. Which veteran corner infielder do you like more?
1: Definitely Votto. Definitely Votto. In fact, I'm, I'm having some, uh, some remorse here for dropping Joey Votto, especially since it's a league where strikeouts count a full minus one for hitters. As opposed to minus point five, like CBS standard. But Joey Votto, you know, apart from these two home runs the last two days, off to a, a slow start. But if you look at his expected stats, the quality of contact he's making, his expected stats: three eighteen batting average, five sixty four slug. He's striking out only eleven point six percent of the time. I think uh, I, I think there may be truth to the idea that we're going to see a, a reemergence of of Joey Votto this year given his uh his his he's he's made a concerted effort to drive the ball more uh, after being a little too focused on reducing strikeouts ironically his strikeout rate rate right now is as low as it's ever been but he he said he got too focused on that um and kind of neglected hitting for power as a result of it and then we saw him change his approach midway through last season had an awesome september Hitting the ball really hard so far. Good expected stats. I think he probably needs to be rostered in in most leagues.
0: Scott, rank Vado, Jared Walsh, and Andrew Vaughn.
1: I think I still have to put Vado last to that group. It's a shame you can't roster everybody. <laughs>
0: this is why you get paid the big bucks, Scott. To answer the tough questions, Renato Nunez. He has homered in back-to-back games. He was just recalled for the Detroit Tigers. He's only five percent rostered, so this is more of a deep league play, Scott. But uh, I'm wondering, do you think he's going to play every day once Miguel Cabrera returns? I, I'm sure one could DH and one could play first, but he's looked good so far.
1: He has looked good, and I don't think performance was should have ever been in question for him. I mean, back to back years with being a solid power hitter, Nunez is, and I I don't see why that would change. Uh, I guess he's playing in a bigger park in Detroit. Versus Baltimore the past couple of years, so that might be one reason. But you know, he should be pretty productive while he's in the lineup. Uh, they had some questions about his defense. Is my understanding of why he didn't make the opening day roster? And I mean, if you're presumably worse, those presumably those questions wouldn't go away when Cabrera's back in the lineup, but you don't know what's going to happen between now and then. Someone else could get hurt, or maybe just. Having him in the lineup and getting used to the idea of, of his power bat being there, the Tigers will be less likely to take him out this time.
0: Look, I love Miguel Cabrera as much as the next guy, but if you're a worse defender than him, <laughs> then you've got some issues, man. So um, if, if Renato Nunez can't get a first base, then yeah, something's going terribly wrong. But in deeper leagues, look out for Renato Nunez. Worryometer Wednesday. The Aces edition, we already talked about. Steven Strasberg, Max Freed getting sent for an MRI on his hamstring. Let's talk about Blake Snell here, Scott, who was at the Pirates. Another one. Freed's going up against the Marlins. Uh, Snell's going up against the Pirates. You're thinking, okay, wow, man. You got these two on your, on the same team. Fantastic matchups. He, he couldn't escape the first inning. Blake Snell did not get out of the first. He only recorded two outs. He allowed three hits, three earned, two walks, one hit by pitch. 38 pitches. He got taken out of the game. He was barking at everybody in his own dugout. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how can you blame him? You're, you're pitching terribly against one of the worst teams in the league. You deserve to get take out, uh, taken out. So what do you think, Scott? Worryometer, 1-10 to on Blake now.
1: I will say, I'll say three for him. I, I don't know that this start really moves the needle for me. He was throwing plenty hard. He actually threw his breaking balls a lot. More than usual, um, I think it was just one of those days for him. I, mainly my concerns about Snell would be, like, we haven't seen him go six innings at in a start yet, and that's been an issue for him for a couple years now. I'm just not sure. I know he won a Cy Young award in what was it, 2018? Yep. But I think he's kind of. I think his fantasy value has kind of, uh, it's kind of coasted on that in fantasy because he's been. I'm not saying he hasn't been must roster, but he's been kind of underwhelming since then, and I think a little less than must start.
0: Snell has not completed six innings in a start since July 21st, 2019. That is a long time ago. And you know, on the other side of that, basically, Snell is probably a little bit overvalued for fantasy. Hyunjin Ryu is probably the most underrated pitcher, starting pitcher in fantasy baseball year in and year out. I am here to say, I'm ready to make a bold proclamation on mid-April, which is probably going to look ridiculous in a month from now. I would rather have Ryu over Snell, rest of season.
1: I don't think it's crazy. I I ended up with a lot of shares of Ryu last year because I I thought he was especially undervalued then. He he was more appreciated in drafts this year than last year, so I didn't end up with him as much. But coming into this season... If you're if if you're looking at lowest ERAs over the past three seasons heading into this season, Jacob Degrom was number one on that list. Hyunjin Ryu was number two with a 2.30 ERA the past three years. How do you like that?
0: Oh, I like that. I didn't, I didn't know if anything else was <laughs> happening. I'm also refreshing my Twitter now because uh, like after that Max Fried thing, I'm like, all right, well, so I feel like something else is going to break tonight. So. <laughs> Paying attention to both. Uh, we already spoke about Max Fried. Let's talk a little bit about Pablo Lopez on the other side in that start. Four innings pitched, nine hits, six earned, six strikeouts. So still got a decent amount. 13 whiffs on 83 pitches. I just think Pablo Lopez cannot really pitch against the Braves. If you remember last year, I, he got destroyed. I think it was like 10 earned runs. It was the game where the Braves scored, I think it was 20, what was it, 24 runs in a game, Scott, or something like
1: that? 29. 29
0: runs in a game. That was the game that Pablo Lopez started. I think he just kind of struggles against the Braves. They're a really good lineup, and some of their guys got going. Marcelo Zuna, Ozzy Albies hit a home run. I think we kind of spoke that into existence yesterday, Scott. But uh,
1: Pablo Lopez, Worryometer. Yeah, like a two, but I, I think I would be worried if I was somebody who was like, calling the Pablo Lopez breakout this year, like some people were. He's barely thrown that breaking ball that was getting hyped this spring. He's barely thrown it at all in any of the three starts. First two starts, obviously, the result was fine. I think he's going to be a fine pitcher more often than not, a quality start more often than not, but he's kind of in that very small tier of... that very small middle class at a position that's so so two-faced.
0: I don't know that I've ever been subtweeted by Scott on the podcast while we were podcasting because I had Pablo Lopez in my breakouts column. Oh, I didn't <laughs> even know that. I wasn't. <laughs> well, thanks, I wasn't, for, I thanks wasn't for reading my breakout, Scott. Yeah. Uh, so far it hasn't looked great for Pablo Lopez. I, I will admit that. And he's been very, it's four seam sinker. It's change up. He's not really using the breaking pitch as much. So I get it. I just think, you were probably drafting him as your, what, SP4? I'm i I'm still fine with him as your SP4. I think he's going to be like a high threes ERA, an okay whip, maybe a strikeout per inning. And that's solid. It's just maybe he doesn't take that next step that I was hoping on. How about Jesus Lazardo, who was at the Arizona Diamondbacks on Tuesday, two and two thirds, six hits, five earned, two walks, one strikeout. He allowed a three-run homer to Carson Kelly, of all people? Lazardo has now allowed 12 earned runs, over 13 innings pitched, in his first three starts, Lazardo one to ten on the worryometer. He's probably like
1: a two as well. And I, I mean, I think this early in the season, we're talking about three starts for these guys, two for some of them, barely anything. I think the really the main things that would worry me for a pitcher this early in the year is if they don't seem to be throwing as hard as they normally do, like they've lost stuff, or I didn't believe that they were good in the first place and it's kind of being confirmed already. Those would be the main things that would worry me about a pitcher and Luzardo doesn't fall into either of those categories. There is something weird going on with him where he's throwing his four seam fastball like two thirds of the time. And last year he was throwing either his four seamer or his two seamer combined. He was throwing them only like 50% of the time. So for some reason he's leaning way more on the fastball and that pitch was responsible for a 5.52 slugging percentage last year. So I'm not sure why Lozardo is doing that, why he's he's not throwing his breaking ball and his changeup as much. But I, I trust, you know, somebody's going to reveal this to him and he's going to go back to, uh, if he doesn't figure it out himself, go back to mixing his pitches in a way that makes more sense.
0: I've noticed a few pitchers so far this season, Scott, are relying on the fastball... Heavy. I think Jacob DeGrom has barely used his changeup through his first three starts. He probably just doesn't need to because he's the best pitcher in baseball. But there's been a few other pitchers that are really going fastball heavy early on. And I wonder if that's what Lazardo has been doing. But yeah, I agree with yeah. you. I mean, his his breaking pitch and his uh, changeup was really good last year for him in terms of whiff rate. So I, I think if he just does yeah. that, like he's probably going to turn it around. I think if anyone's freaking out about Lazardo, definitely looking to buy low on him. Yeah, I would agree.
1: Yeah, fastball is obviously what they threw most in spring training, and, and they weren't working in their secondary pitches until deeper into spring training. And it, it may just be that he doesn't have a feel for them quite yet. But either way you look at it, that's something that will correct itself in time, I believe. So I would agree with you that Lazardo strikes me as a buy low right now. I'm not saying you have to keep starting him uh, you know, I, I could understand benching him until he turns things around, but I I just don't think he's going to have a good season.
0: He does have a two start week next week against the Minnesota Twins. Don't love that one at Baltimore. That's obviously a better
1: start there. I ask yeah, you, I'd be uh, tough to set him in a points league. I would say Roto probably could do it.
0: I asked you this earlier for uh, for Max Freed, but Scott, if if you can turn Trevor Rogers into Hayes with Lozardo right now, would you do it?
1: I would be less likely to do that. <sighs> Hmm, that's a tough, would you? Would you, Frank? I'll turn it right back around on you.
0: <laughs> you can't answer my question with a question, Scott. That's not how this works.
1: <laughs> sure uh, I can.
0: I, you know, I'm inclined to say no just because we really don't know who Lazardo is yet. And it's kind of the same thing with Trevor Rogers. Like, like what's stopping Trevor Rogers from being what we thought Jesus Lazardo was going to be? There's really nothing. It's just lazardo has been up longer and uh, he looked good at times last year. He hasn't looked great yet. He has a lot more prospect pedigree than Rogers. I get that. Mm-hmm. I I still have Lazardo ranked higher than Rodgers, and I'm going to leave it that way. I wouldn't do that trade. I would not trade Trevor Rodgers for Jesus Lazardo. Is that fair? Yeah,
1: yeah, that's fair. I I don't I don't think I would either. But like I I know I'm not ready to drop Lozardo behind Rogers in my rankings. Same so same. Yeah, but they're getting closer. The 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 gap mm-hmm. is closing. Yeah, they're close. They're pretty close right now.
0: Uh, last but not least, Luis Castillo was at the San Francisco Giants. I, It seems like I have to do a weather check every time Luis Castillo's pitching now. I don't know what the weather is in San Francisco, but Luis Castillo was not really good on Tuesday. Five innings pitched, seven hits, four earned runs, two home runs allowed. They both came in the first inning. Seven strikeouts to zero walks. I do like that for Castillo quite a bit. Uh, 14 whiffs on 98 pitches. Worryometer on Castillo, Scott.
1: One at most... I mean, compared to those other starts, this was a gem from Castillo. (laughs) His velocity was all the way back up. His changeup was whifftastic. Gave up a couple home runs. Didn't walk anybody. You know, it's this. This is this is just a a mess start from a good pitcher. That's all it strikes me as.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I'd I'd put it as a one as well. If anyone's freaking out about castillo another one you know don't worry he is better as the season goes along as the weather heats up Uh, i think luis castillo is going to be just fine we're going to take a quick break if you are listening on the video side don't go anywhere if you are listening if you're watching on the video side if you're listening on the audio side we will be back right after this with some worryometer hitters here on fantasy baseball today Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. Let's start things off with Lourdes Gurriel Scott, who went 0-3 on Tuesday. He's now batting 156. Strikeouts are up a little bit thus far. 1-10 to 10 on the Worryometer for Gurriel.
1: Uh Basically 1. Yeah, I, I, I want to say he got off to a slow start last year too. That sounds right. right. And I was taking a kind of a victory lap for it because I wasn't believing in him as hard as others were. but Then obviously things uh, things turned around. Yeah, so through 17 games last year, he was hitting 226 with one home run. Things got better, and I think they'll get better again for Lourdes Gurriel.
0: Agreed. How about Trey Mancini? Entering Tuesday, he had a 32% strikeout rate, a 56% ground ball rate. Obviously, look, we don't want to hold him, you know, to accountable. The guy is coming back from having cancer, so it's it's a crazy situation obviously for Trey Mancini. Uh but, you know, it seems like maybe a year off he's going to get off to a slow start here, Scott. Are you are you holding Trey Mancini? Where are you at on the worryometer?
1: Preferably, I could understand how in a three outfielder league he may be your only way to make room for for somebody else who needs to be picked up. But I I think it's too early to say whether or not that time he missed, you know, what his body went through, if if that cost him something. And it may not even be that. You know, there was some skepticism coming off 2019 that that performance was something he could live up to again. It's worth pointing out. But I I, I, I think we need to see more. I I think it's just too early to judge. And that's true for every player, of course. Mm -hmm. Mancini, because of his history, I'd put him more like a. Three or four, let's say four on the worryometer. But um, you know, I'm not I'm not ready to write him off yet. Dylan Moore, random mid-career
0: breakout last year with the Seattle Mariners, hoping to get a bunch of steals out of him in, in category leagues. He went over three on Tuesday. He is batting 121 and he had a 36% strikeout rate entering Tuesday night's action. And I know you have him in Taut War, Scott. I have him in another 15 team league. So we're keeping him there, but Look in a points league, the guy's striking out thirty six percent of the time, you probably could cut bait with him.
1: Yeah, I almost did in the in the in the podcast league, the head to head points one, the long standing, the longer standing podcast league. I almost did this weekend. If it, that that particular bid just didn't go through. But uh, I mean, it's notable because Moore was the second best second baseman on a per game basis last year, even in that format. Roto league, obviously, the bigger lineup, the 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 need for steals, he deserves a longer leash, but he was one of the more, maybe the, the player deserving of the most skepticism, uh, other than like Teoscar Hernandez, maybe coming off last year. And the fact that he's striking out even more, I mean, that's an untenable strikeout rate. And, and look, it's a strikeout rate that could correct itself next week. But, Making contact was already a problem for Moore, and and right now it's it's been even worse.
0: Ian Happ, the leadoff man for the Chicago Cubs, he went one for four on Tuesday. The batting average stands at 156. I don't really see anything in the Statcast data, Scott. I mean, he's not striking out more this year. He's not really hitting the ball all that hard. I don't know. It's where are you at on Ian Happ, one to ten at?
1: I will give him like a three because I I wasn't totally sold on him in the first place, but if you were, I don't think anything has happened this year to change your mind. He's, he's been getting on base a lot. Like you said, he hasn't been hitting the ball as hard. That doesn't necessarily mean anything. He just may not be squaring up the ball right now, but it's going to happen for every hitter for stretches this year. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he usually bats leadoff for the Cubs, right? And he has power. I, uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not dumping on Hap here. I'm not going to dump him, and I'm not going to dump on him. <laughs> By the way, I just happened to to notice this today. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt. I know nobody's thinking about dropping Paul Goldschmidt, but his numbers don't look great. He hit his first home run today. But he's another one like Joey Votto, where you look at the. The Expected stats versus the actual ones, and you're like, Wow, Paul, Paul Goldschmidt, <laughs> there's a lot of reason to think he's going to turn things around here. XBA of 312, X Slug of 538, 71% hard hit rate. You know, Wilson Ramos puts that to shame, I guess, but that's about the only player, 71%. Uh, Goldschmidt's hitting the ball hard, and I think he's going to be okay.
0: Yes. So if you have him, then everything's going to be all right. I don't really know that you could buy low on him just because he's one of the bigger names still. So if you can, try for it. But um, it's probably going to be hard to do with Paul Goldschmidt, who just hit his first home run on Tuesday. Uh I do want to promote a few other things here. FBT listeners, March Madness and the Masters may be over, but the sports calendar never sleeps. There's the NHL trade deadline, daily NBA, NHL, and MLB action, the RBC Heritage Tournament, NFL Draft News, plus the UEFA quarterfinals in CBS Sports HQ is your home For all of it, CBS Sports HQ is the only sports news streaming service that's completely free. How do you watch CBS Sports HQ? Easy. It's available and it's free on your computer, your mobile device, or your connected TV via the CBS Sports apps. If you're more of a YouTube person, subscribe to CBS Sports HQ on YouTube for all the latest sports news videos on demand. Scott, there was a pitching duel in Chicago and it involved your SP1. Shane Bieber. Nine shutout. Yes, normally that would be a complete game shutout, but this game went to extra innings because both Bieber and Giolito were just fantastic. So Bieber winds up with 11 strikeouts. Giolito winds up with eight strikeouts over seven shutout. And we didn't talk about it earlier because what are we going to say, Scott? These guys are awesome.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I... I Imagine those leagues where I have Bieber and Giolito as my one and two. All the ground I gained in the pitching categories where everyone else was stinking it up. Hot so that feels good. But yeah, I mean, they did what they do. Interestingly, Giolito's velocity was actually down in this start. He peaked at 94 when normally he peaks at like 97. Uh, on average, velocity was down like a mile per hour. I don't know if that means anything. Obviously, he dominated. But maybe the most interesting thing that happened in this game is James check got the save. Now, you'll be quick to point out that Emmanuel Classé, who, who we were assuming was the closer, who got the previous two saves for the team, had worked, what, three of the previous four days, right? Correct. Um, but the last time we saw him work, he took the loss. He took the loss in a tie game. Did not get the job done. Didn't look awful, of course. And look, I don't... Maybe it means nothing. Maybe it means nothing, but I'm just saying, Class A gave Francona an excuse to try somebody else, and the somebody else he tried on Tuesday night got the job done. So, still Class A number one in the pecking order, but I'm not sure is an open and shut case. All right? I'm not sure.
0: Especially when that save Karinczak converted, Scott, started with a runner on second base, and he did not allow that run to score, so it's it's pretty impressive there for him. Good point. Uh, Matthew Boyd, also impressive, Scott. I don't know. Keep poo-pooing my guy, Matthew Boyd. He was at the Astros six and two-thirds of one-run ball, only four strikeouts to one walk, nine whiffs on 100 pitches. It's not overly exciting or anything, but I will point out the Astros entered Tuesday with the second lowest swinging strike rate in baseball, but Boyd continues to use his fastball less and his slider and changeup more. His fastball velocity was actually up one mile per hour in this start as well. So, Scott, are you... Is your confidence in, in Boyd growing at all?
1: Not really. Boom. No. <laughs> I mean, we've seen Matthew Boyd throw a changeup a lot before, and what that was before he became a good pitcher. So I don't know why going back to that would make him... A yeah, better pitcher.
0: But that was a while ago. He could have changed
1: up how he throws his change up. Where are the whiffs, Frank? If it's such a good change up,
0: well, look, where are the whiffs? Let's be fair, because we're you know all excited about Casey Mize. He's
1: not getting any whiffs either. I know, but it's Casey Mize versus Matthew Boyd. You know?
0: Eh. Well, I tried. <laughs> I, I, I still like Matthew Boyd, and I would take him over Casey Mize and... Uh, I like what I've seen from from Boyd and, and the pitch mix that he's using so far this year. Scott, would you drop either of uh, Jamison Tyone, who did not have a great second start of the season on Tuesday. He was at Dunedin to face the Blue Jays. Three and two-thirds. He allowed five earned runs. Uh, he is 95% rostered. And Jake Odorizzi was obviously on the other side of Boyd in this game. He allowed five earned over three and a third. Would you drop either of Tyone or Odorizzi for Matthew Boyd?
1: I would... Definitely drop Odorizzi because I. there hasn't been a lot to like there uh, yeah, in a while. He's, he's 64% uh, rostered, so
0: he's on someone's team. He's not on mine.
1: He's not on yeah, yours. Yeah, well, I see people hype him from time to time, and I don't really get it because even the year he was good, it was he had some definite uh, issues pitching deep into games. So, yeah, I, not a lot that I see to like in Odorizzi. Uh, I'll stick with Tyone for now. I'll stick with Tyone for now. He showed good strikeout potential in the first start. Yeah, I'll give him a pass for this one. Stick it out a little longer.
0: Some other happenings around the league. On Tuesday, Justice Sheffield at the Orioles. Six innings of two-run ball, five strikeouts. Only seven whiffs on 77 pitches. They should have let him just throw the full seven in the doubleheader because Rafael Montero went on to blow his win. So that was... That did not work out well for Justice Sheffield. John Means. I don't know. I don't know, Scott. He was going up against the Mariners, five innings of three-run ball, five strikeouts. Um, the fastball velocity was actually up, and the slider velocity was up almost two miles per hour. So anything to see here with John Means? Uh, we haven't really done a, a Means check in a while.
1: Oh, uh, well, it's only his third start. What do you want? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, I actually watched quite a bit of this start because I was I was scouting him because I was seeing if I should trade for him in the Dynasty League. And even though he got off to a rough start with the two home runs, I ultimately decided yes. You I know, saw him hit 94 with the fastball a few times and, and it just the pitch mix and the way he was locating the different pitches, it, it left the Mariners shaking their heads a lot. And... uh he, uh, I think he retired nine in a row at one point, and then issued a walk, and then had to be taken out. So it, it seemed like he came around. He 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 really didn't have his changeup so much in this start, which is his best pitch, arguably. And um, so he figured out how to use his breaking balls more. And I don't know. He just looks like he just looks like a a smart, seasoned pitcher to me. Who. Improved physically last year and got got the velocity up. Um, and I think has a higher ceiling, but it, it may be more of a floor case than a ceiling case for Means. Uh, Garrison Wong on in our YouTube
0: comments actually said someone in his league just traded John Means away for Jesus Lazardo.
1: Well, that's, that's a good buy low on Lazardo.
0: Yeah, I like that. I like that quite a bit. If you can pull that off, something you should look into doing Taiwan Walker was going up against the Phillies four and a third one earned eight strikeouts 12 whiffs on 80 pitches the velocity was up across the board four seam splitter slider curve up almost two miles per hour all right Scott we got the we got a few more whiffs in this one we had eight strikeouts
1: buying in yeah. Taiwan Walker I mean I still have some skepticism there but the fact the velocity's up Across the board, two starts in. I that's that's definitely interesting. I would probably value him on about the same level as Casey Mice.
0: Walker, I think, is pretty universally rostered, actually, which I was surprised about. I, I was surprised he was a, as rostered as he was, and I don't have enough yeah. time to
1: pull it up, but uh, it's fine at least on our side. It might be different on other sites. He may have had like a really good projection on our site that moved him up. In the in the draft room, yeah, that's, that happens sometimes.
0: That's fair. Uh, Ramon Laureano leads baseball with eight steals. Uh, that is more than that is double the next closest. Garrett Hampson has four. So one of my career
1: high is thirteen. <laughs> He's up to eight.
0: One of my fill in the blanks, guy, is going to be Ramon Laureano finishes the season with blank
1: steals. He's got to slow down, right? Does he? I don't know. I don't know. I remember these seasons where Tim Anderson would steal like nine bases in April and it's was like, this is it, the 40 steal season and then he finished with 17 or something. You just kind of see that playing out uh, similarly for Loriano, because it's not, well, we've seen that from Bogarts too. Bogarts has done that before, faked us out with a lot of steals early and then slowed down.
0: I'll set the over-under uh, at
1: 24 and a half, Scott. What do you think? I'll take the under, slightly under.
0: Boo! I don't even have any L'Oreano shares, but eight steals in the first month. If he stays healthy, I think that he could very easily go over that number. Uh, Kyle Gibson was at the Rays, seven innings of two-run ball. One of those was earned. Uh, He only had three strikeouts, nine whiffs on 86 pitches, so I don't think we're excited about Kyle Gibson, Scott, but whenever you stream a two-start pitcher and you get something like
1: this, perfect. Yeah, that's pretty much sums it up, I'd say.
0: Akil Badu had multiple hits and now has homered in back-to-back games, 71% rostered. This number should be like 90 95%. So if, yep. if Akil Badu is out there in your league, please go get him
1: because he is I moved awesome. him up into my top 35 in the outfield. Oh my Top 35. <laughs> yep. Now that that's a range of outfielders that I, I think are pretty easy to cut ties with. It includes guys like Ryan Mountcastle and Clint Frazier. So it's easy to move Badu up that high. But still, even in three outfielder leagues, I think he needs to be rostered. A
0: few other things. Ryan Mountcastle went three for six with one RBI and one steal across two games on Tuesday. He has a modest five-game hitting streak. So Mountcastle looks like he's coming around a little bit. Mitch Hanniger had four hits across two games. He is now batting 311. Looks like he's back. Marcus Stroman against the Phillies. Six shutout, four hits, zero walks, three strikeouts. He had 13 whiffs on 86 pitches. Quality starts in each of his first two here with the Mets. Remember, he sat out last season. He opted out, uh, Marcus Stroman did, in 2020. Trent Grisham. Looks like he's Trent Grisham. He looks fine so far. One for four with two walks, three runs scored. Uh, Hit his third home run of the season on Tuesday. The call to the pen. Look at some bullpen situations. Matt Barnes picked up his first save of the season for the Red Sox. Adam Ottavino pitched in the seventh. The Oakland A's, Sergio Romo pitched in the eighth with the A's up six to five at the time. Lou Trevino picked up the save in a seven to five game. Jake Diekman did pitch three of the last four days entering Tuesday.
1: What do you think, Scott? That's true. Is Trevino the guy? Well, it definitely raised my eyebrow that Trevino faced two left-handed hitters in that ninth inning. And Diegmann obviously didn't work in the game. Three of the last four days, yeah, maybe they were just giving him a day off, but Trevino showed he could get the job done. Every time you show you can get the job done, you're that much closer to securing the job, having the job all to yourself.
0: For the Mariners, I mentioned Rafael Montero already picked up his third blown save of the season. He allowed two hits in one run. Kendall Graveman picked up the save the following inning. Scott, would you look to add Kendall Graveman in any deeper category leagues with saves?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think Montero might be vulnerable here. Three blown saves is a lot. He hasn't gotten like shellacked yet. Each of those blown saves, he allowed one earned run. So it's unfortunate for him that it's led to three blown. I think his ERA is like 426, which of course isn't good, but when you think a closer has three blown saves through less than two weeks, you would expect it to be like 19 or something, you know? Not 420, whatever. whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I would think... Uh, I would be a little nervous if I was counting on Montero for saves at this point.
0: Hector Naris allowed three hits, a walk, and two runs in his save appearance and took the loss on Tuesday. I'm not saying anything's going to happen here, but a gentleman named Connor Brogdon might be the next man up. He pitched the inning before Hector Neris did. Uh, Jose Alvarado was used. It's weird because it was a doubleheader. I think it was in extra innings. I think it was like, Neris was used in the eighth. Brogdon was used in the seventh. Jose Alvarado was used in the sixth. For the Cubs, Craig Kimbrell recorded a four-out save, his third save of the season. He looks lights out thus far. So if you took the shot on Kimbrell, so far, so good. To stream or not to stream for Wednesday for those in daily lineup leagues. Scott Griffin Canning at the Royals. Yay or nay? Yay. All right. Ross tripling versus the Yankees. Nay. Joe Ross at the Cardinals. Nay. One day after, I believe the Cardinals scored 14 runs on Tuesday. So they just had an offensive explosion. Nolan Arenado, by the way, he, he looks fine. Brad Keller versus the
1: Angels. Not after the way those first two starts went. No, no. That's I said Keller for now.
0: I agree with you. Johnny Cueto versus the Reds.
1: Um, that's the second best after Canning, but I, I I think still think I'd lean against it in a daily league scenario.
0: Tyler Anderson versus the Padres. Nope. Justin Dunn at the Orioles. Nope. Matt Harvey, the Dark Knight, versus the Mariners. Nope. Michael Former at the Astros.
1: Definitely intrigued by what. Fulmer does in this start because it's picked up a lot of velocity uh, toward the end of spring training, continued in the regular season, went four innings in his last relief appearance, looked really good. Uh, so I'm watching Fulmer, but I'm not ready to start him.
0: I agree 100%. A game you should be watching. Kohei Arihara at the Tampa Bay Rays. Nah. Nah. David Peterson versus the Phillies? Nope. John Gray at the Dodgers?
1: Not that matchup, No. Let's
0: wrap up with a few questions. This one's from Jacob. Dear Alex, Ron, and John. I don't know. I actually know the answer because he included it in the email, but I didn't include it here. Uh, These are the past three Red Sox managers. Alex Cora, Ron Renicky, John Farrell? Okay, yeah. I think so. Uh, Five by five categories league. Give up Shohei Otani the batter. Get JT Real Muto.
1: Yeah, I think you have to do that. Real Muto, still an easy bet to be the number one catcher. Otani is so awesome, though, Scott. I know, I get it.
0: He's so good. Uh, Otani on Tuesday, what did he do? Three for five with his fourth home run of the season. It was a lefty-on-lefty homer off of Danny Duffy. So uh, I would do
1: it as well, but man, it is... We didn't mention Danny Duffy. Danny Duffy's velocity is way up. Talk about him. And he had a great start. Uh, six one run innings with six strikeouts, 13 whiffs. Yeah, his velocity's up like two and a half miles per hour. Uh, which I, you know, it wasn't too many years ago that Duffy was like, we thought of him as like a top 30 starting pitcher and he was throwing harder back in those days. I don't know. Maybe there's something here. I'm not rushing out to pick him up, but I'm keeping an eye on it. Scott, I mentioned this before. Are, do you want to get duffy Is this
0: the, The verb Duffy is uh, Danny Duffy goes out. He has two great starts on the waiver wire. You pick him up. You put him in your lineup. Blows up for seven runs. You drop him. He's awesome for two more starts. You go and you pick him back up. You put him in your lineup. Blows up for seven more runs. Just this is the way Danny Duffy goes. I don't know. We'll monitor it because the velocity is up, but uh, I've been fooled so many times. This one's from, from OJ. I have a question about long relievers who can become starters since I own all four. Michael Kopech, TJ Antone, Jonathan Lewisaga and Garrett Whitlock seem too, value to, too valuable to be stuck in long relief for long. LOL. Do their numbers say anything about which can actually move to being starters and which are better suited to the bullpen permanently?
1: I don't know that any are... Maybe Lewisaga. Maybe Lewisaga just because he's had so many durability issues. I don't know that he's going to get another chance to start again. And I'll add that Kopech, which is obviously the biggest name of this group, the plan is for him to be in the bullpen all year just because he sat out all of last year and was coming back from Tommy John surgery. And that's just a good way to keep his innings down. Uh, the plan could change. I, I think that's certainly possible, but it would take a it would take some injuries for the White Sox rotation, I think. The one with the best chance, I think, of joining the rotation at some point this year is T.J. Anton. And the fact that he went three and two-thirds innings in his last appearance, I think is a good indication that the Reds are keeping him stretched out. So that's the one I'd bet on joining the rotation the soonest. I don't know as much about Whitlock. The numbers are definitely interesting. I'll I'll need to look more, more into him because it seems like the Red Sox rotation would have some openings at some point.
0: Yeah, I was just looking into Garrett Whitlock's numbers in the minors, and 42 games, 38 of those were starts, a 2.41 ERA, 1.16 whip, 201 strikeouts and 205, and a third innings pitched for Garrett Whitlock, who is on the Red Sox. I just found that out, so maybe watch him. He seems pretty good. From Joseph, I can drop Ryan Mountcastle, Andrew Vaughn, Eduardo Rodriguez or Griffin Canning for Wander Franco?
1: Who is Rule the most dropable pick from the Yankees? was us Uh Okay, so Mount Castle. I'm sorry, what was the question?
0: Would you drop any of Mount Castle, Vaughn, Eduardo Rodriguez, or Griffin Canning for Wander Franco?
1: Ah, Wander Franco, I think, could be up next week, too. I would drop Mount Castle for him.
0: Fair enough. For Scott, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. CBS
1: Friday. TV's hottest show is Fire Country.